you haven't already, check out Necronomapod on CastBox, a top podcast app on iOS and Android with more than 28 million users worldwide. CastBox has a brand new way to find content you'll love. Just enter a keyword or phrase and the app searches the show titles and transcripts of every single episode to deliver exactly what you're looking for. Download CastBox today and see for yourself. On today's show, we begin a two-part series on one of the most infamous serial killers in modern history. The Zodiac Killer's first murder was believed to be committed back in 1963, and it's believed that he continued the murders at least through 1970. However, to this day, investigators are still unsure just how many victims have fallen to the Zodiac Killer, nor when his preying on innocent people finally ceased. Today we'll talk about the killer's early known murders and how his infatuation with submitting letters and ciphers to the media grew. We'll discuss some of the clues he gave authorities as well as how he was able to keep his identity a secret. So sit back and crack a beer. We're about to take a deep dive in one of the most well-known and still unsolved serial killer cases. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought the Zodiac was just a collection of astrological signs, stick around. We're going to try to decipher this insidious tale. This is Necronomapod. I shall wipe out a school bus some morning, shoot out the tires, and then pick off the kiddies as they come bounding out. That was the threat of the Zodiac Killer. Now, every day, police cars follow the buses which would be likely targets. Officers armed with shotguns take the threat seriously. The psychotic killer has already murdered five. One at a lover's lane near a lake just north of San Francisco. Three others in nearby Vallejo. The latest, a taxi driver in San Francisco. The Zodiac Killer seems to crave publicity. He sent letters and cryptograms to newspapers and the police, recounting his crimes, threatening more murders, and making Bay Area residents very edgy. All right, well, good news, guys. They let us back on the air for another week. Shocking, right? We haven't been booted from the podcast world mm-hmm. quite yet. They tried, but we fought back. Yeah. <laughs> um, other good news merchandise is coming back yay <laughs> I can't do the sound quite like you <laughs> well that's only for special <laughs> that's what I hear when you do it <laughs> <laughs> something like that I guess I hope that's not what people hear Jesus I already hate it enough as it is um, yeah we're going to have merch back up hopefully on November 1st we had a hardened uh, negotiation process with the uh, Titans over at Amazon, and we got our stuff uh, ourselves a nice little Amazon shop. So hopefully that should all be up on November first. We're gonna mm-hmm. have uh, um, the logo shirt up for sure. We're gonna try to get the other the other stuff that we sold previously, the abduction shirt and the hail mugs one up there for you. And I know we're working on a couple other designs, and uh, we're gonna have a brand new badass shirt based on today's topic. You developed that one, right, Ian? Yeah. It's a sweet shirt. So, it's my favorite one. Yeah. And it's one. been around a while. We just didn't want to post it for sale until we did this episode, but I've been waiting. Right. Yeah. So Super we, cool. We wanted to get it out in time for the holiday season so you can get it for, uh, for all your favorite uh, necromaniacs in your life. And uh, we wanted to release the Zodiac episode with uh, in conjunction with the shirt. So hopefully next week, uh, uh, well, by the time you're listening to this, uh, this coming Friday, we'll have that store up and running, but we'll keep you posted on... Um, the socials and and all that fun jazz. Yep. Stuff your stockings. Stuff your stockings. <laughs> what isn't there, isn't there some kind of holiday in early November? All Saints Day, November first. 
I'll be in church all day, so yeah. I won't be available. <laughs> That's right. You won't be. Yeah, you can't do any work that day. Correct. Rick. So I guess we'll have to get the Amazon stuff all ready to go. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Uh, I don't know. I don't know my Black holidays. Friday. Well, there's that too coming up. <laughs> That's pretty much. Well, we would want Cyber Monday, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's where you sit at home all day and cyber sex with people online, right? <laughs> That's what you do. That's what cyber sex. <laughs> I've been cyber sexing all day. <laughs> That's what Cyber Monday is, isn't it? I thought. You okay. had a good deal last year? Yeah. <laughs> what, like a uh, Legends rating on Pornhub or whatever? I don't I don't know how that works. I don't watch porn. I'm straight edge. Straight edge. Anyways, we got a fun one today. Yeah. Yeah, this one, this is probably the deepest dive I've done on an outline besides the the mythical Michael Jackson episode that has been, ta- <laughs> has been talked about a few times. That's been sitting in the vault that yeah. has yet to be recorded. Yeah. Not even, so not even your Jonestown? Well, your Jonestown's a life's, Jonestown. a life's work, though. Yeah, what about OJ? That. No. No? So this no. is it. Yeah, other than, I think my, Michael Jackson was more because I read a lot of FBI files for that. But this is, yeah, second to, <laughs> to old MJ. And we would have done, we would have done a Michael Jackson a long time ago, but Dave has vetoed it time after time after time. So if he you guys want a Michael him. Jackson episode, hit up Dave and, and get him to change his mind. There's no veto power here. It's a two thirds majority. <laughs> I can't veto we, anything. We try to all agree. <laughs> we like we like to go by the unanimous uh, route. Doesn't love the King of Pop. He does not like. I never Michael said Jackson. I wouldn't do it. I just not my favorite. So, anyways, those notes are sitting. How many pages of notes is that? Seventy three. It's a lot. Yeah, I can't remember. We read. I already. We read, went through them all, didn't we? You sent them out to us, and mm-hmm. we read them. But we just decided to table it for a while. Yeah, we'll do it at some point. I'm sure that'll be, that'll be a, a big, uh, a big subject. Yeah, someday. So but that's not today. Nope. Tonight we're gonna get, tonight we're gonna get into the the Zodiac Killer, and uh, the Zodiac Killer is the name given to an unknown serial killer. He named himself who was known to operate from at least the potentially the early 60s, but at least the uh, confirmed the late 60s to early 1970s in Northern California. And aside from Jack the Ripper, Zodiac is probably the most well-known unsolved serial murder case. I didn't know till going through your notes today that that was unsolved. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you just learned you were in for a shock, huh? I was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I didn't read the notes and I would have just found that out at the end. I'm like, what the fuck? This guy's still out there? He was waiting for his Scooby-Doo unmasking at the end. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Jeez. Oh, man. <laughs> you really don't know any of this stuff, do you? I don't. I don't claim to. That's what the, I'm learning on the show. Just learning on the fly here. Yeah. I thought OJ was guilty till we did that show. <laughs> you thought he was convicted just sitting in jail? Just kidding. Well, he was sitting. Oh, no, that was to say, although he was sitting for what, yeah. like ten years, right? Yeah, yeah, for robbery. Yeah. Next, you're going to tell me something ridiculous, like Casey, Casey Anthony actually got off with that crime. <laughs> got off with that crime? <laughs> well, like she didn't get busted. <laughs> it's a joke. She did. You just hear Casey Anthony and got off. <laughs> okay, go with the story. Get us back. <laughs> so a large part of the lore associated with the crimes are. Uh, are the ciphers that were sent to the media. And there's the two famous ciphers. One was solved pretty quick. 
The second one has never been solved. And then there's some other ciphers that he included um, along with some postcards and stuff that have never been solved. But there's the two big ones. So can we take a crack at solving this? Uh, I imagine we'd be at the top of the charts with our show if we cracked the uh, Zodiac cipher. Oh, well, History Channel and shit would be hitting us off. We'd be on TV. Mike, can you get that done? PR the show. In between, during breaking breaking bad breaks, can you solve the (laughs) cipher? But what do all my murders have to do for my serial killing? (laughs) I mean, I'm taking a lot on here, fellas. So the first letter received by the Zodiac Killer was received on July 31st, 1969. But to follow the timeline, we're going to start in 1963 with the first murders connected to the case. And these first couple are not officially confirmed. Highly suspected, though, right? Right, yeah. They're pretty strong, uh, strong suspicions with these first ones. So in early June 1963, Robert Domingos and his fiance Linda Edwards, had their senior ditch day from Lompoc High School and decided to spend it at the beach near Gaviota State Park. When the two didn't re- return home the next day, Robert's father went out looking for them. And he knew they were going to the beach. So when he arrived to the beach, he found their bodies laying together inside of a rundown shed. They were both bound with rope and after what looked like a sign of struggle and then were shot and killed with a 22 caliber gun. Robert was shot 11 times and Linda had been shot nine times. That's uh, a lot of uh, bullets. Yeah. Yeah. It's overkill. Their killer then dragged their bodies to the shed where he tried to set a fire uh, to obviously hide, hide evidence, but but failed. It wasn't until 1972 that police made the connection that this crime could be linked to the Zodiac Killer. Rob- so what, nine, nine years later? Yeah. Robert and Linda were killed using uh, Winchester Western Super X bullets, which were the same bullets used in the famous 1968 Lake Herman Road murders that we'll get to in a bit. Um, and there were also similarities to another Zodiac crime at uh, Lake Berryessa in 1969. So it's circumstantial, but it fits highly fits the mold. Yeah, we'll see later on in his communications. He's really he emphasizes that brand of bullet a lot. He's trying to get a sponsorship. Yeah, like us with Blue Chew. We're trying, man. <laughs> need to call us. Send us some dick pills, and we'll do the Casey Anthony show. <laughs> Casey Anthony, call us. <laughs> if, if we're ever going to have an in-studio guest. Agree. 100%. I mean, I'd take O.J. Simpson, too, just to be <laughs> fair. If he wanted to come in and chat with us, I'd let him tell his side of the story. Uh, I pass on that one. Come on. The juice is loose. <laughs> the juice is pretty angry nowadays, man. His Twitter, he's talking about uh, getting even with people and stuff. Well, see, I don't want to tell him no. He can come right in and tell his side of things. He can have my stool. <laughs> my stool. <laughs> I'll sit right over there in the corner and just drink beer and listen. <laughs> Let him pontificate for 90 minutes straight. This is Necronomapod, <laughs> and it's just OJ. So, so we move to October 30th, 1966. 18-year-old Sherry Josephine Bates left a note for her father that read, quote, Dad went to the RCC library. The next morning, her car was found abandoned in the library parking lot. And her body was found nearby in between two houses. She had been stabbed several times and her, and her throat was slit as well. 
Police found a men's Timex watch at the crime scene, a print from a military boot, and some hairs and dried blood on Sherry's hand. Her purse was intact, and an autopsy revealed no evidence of a sexual assault. One month after the murder, the local newspaper and the police department received typewritten letters titled, quote, The Confession, from someone who claimed to be the killer. The author wrote, quote, Miss Bates was stupid. She went to the slaughter like a lamb and added, quote, I'm not sick. I'm insane. In 1967, the newspaper, the police and Joseph Bates received virtually identical handwritten letters, which read, quote, Bates had to die. There will be more. The notes were signed with the symbol that resembled the letter Z. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. Dickhead sending letters to her dad, like BTK thought he was funny sending out letters. Yeah. All these guys, the egos on these guys who send these letters, man. Nicknaming themselves, Mm. saying, what did did he say? I'm not, I'm not sick. I'm insane. Fuck you, dude. So this must have been the first letter then. You would assume. Circumstantial, but you know, still a lot there. Yeah. And what year was this? 66. Oh, in April 67. No, one month after the murder. So that would have been like November of 66 mm-hmm. was when the first letter. Dave, what were you doing in November of 1966? It's not even funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was 17 years old. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, you weren't. Wouldn't have made the joke if it was true. <laughs> On December 20th, 1968, high school students Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday went out on their first official date together, David promised Betty Lou's parents that they'd be home by 11 p.m. Shortly after that time, passing motorists saw them in David's Rambler parked at a lover's lane spot along Lake Herman Road in Benicia, California. Moments later, another driver, driver noticed two lifeless bodies on the side of the road. Benicia police and others responded to the scene and discovered Betty Lou dead with five bullet wounds in her back. David was found next to the Rambler with a bullet wound in his head, still breathing but near death. Bullet holes in the car's roof and back window indicated that the killer may have fired warning shots to force the victims out of the vehicle. Um, Shell casings recovered at the crime scene identified ammunition as Winchester Western Super X copper-coated bullets. The ballistic evidence indicated the killer used a 22 caliber, possibly a J.C. Higgins Model 80, semi-automatic pistol and investigators believe the two teenagers were likely random targets killed by a stranger for unknown reasons man fucking random in this first date first fucking date yeah Yeah. just trying to make out terrible the the precision on it and well and he kind of admits it later on in letters we'll get into but i mean it was pretty high precision how um she was shot in the back it seemed like she was trying to run away, mm. and it was like a, it was like an arc. It was like how the forensics went, like a, like an arc down her back, like the bullet, the bullet holes. Mm-hmm. So that's what they immediately suspected. He had some kind of a light on the bottom of his gun or something to get the kind of precision that he got. So, Damn. so he was like a skilled yeah. shooter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it well, and they mentioned him. before that they they found at the one crime scene in '63, right, the military boot. Mm-hmm. So you wonder if he was like ex-military. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the theories when we get into that's, suspects. Yeah, that's a running thing throughout this. That's the leading Mike evidence. theory right now, but I'll keep you guys up to date. <laughs> Darlene Farron, age 22, was a wife, uh, mother, and popular waitress at a Vallejo 
Vallejo, mm-hmm. birthplace of Jeff Gordon. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> Some Mike tidbit for you. Who uh, do they hate more, Jeff Gordon or the Zodiac in Vallejo? I, I feel like the Vallejo would have to like Jeff Gordon because he's, I mean, it's the only positive thing I think to come out of there, right? <laughs> what else do you ever hear about Vallejo for other than Zodiac? It's a good point, man. Although he did leave at a young age and go to Pittsburgh, Indiana to further his racing career. Hmm. But that's neither here nor there. People have now turned this off. <laughs> They're like, fuck this guy. So on the night of July 4th, 1969, she picked up her friend Michael Mijot and stopped her car in the parking lot of Blue Rock Springs Park. Michael later told police that another vehicle pulled into the lot around midnight and then left only to return a few minutes later. The driver got out of the car, shined a bright light, and fired into the car with a 9mm handgun. Michael was shot in the jaw, shoulder, and leg, and Darlene was hit several times. At 12.40 a.m., in a call later traced to a gas station payphone, a man called the Vallejo Police Department and claimed responsibility for the shooting, as well as the murders on Lake Herman Road. According to the police dispatcher, the caller spoke in a low, monotone voice, saying, quote, I want to report a murder. If you go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, you will find kids in a brown car. They were shot with a 9mm Luger. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. Darlene died on arrival at the hospital, but Michael would would ultimately survive. At this point, investigators were unable to identify any any real suspects in it. I watched the movie again the other day and the implication in the movie was that Darlene knew the guy that pulled in. I don't know if that's, yeah. they pulled that from conversations he gave later, Michael Mageau, but it sounded like she might've known him, which well, is another clue along the way. Yeah. And I mean this at this time in serial killing is not even a thought yeah. to police at this time. Sure. And there's a different weapon used in, in every one of these so far. Yeah, the twenty two caliber was would would have been used twice at so far, but then a knife and now a nine millimeter. So they're not really connecting any of this. No. Not at all. And like I said, serial killing is not even a term I know a lot of police didn't even believe in that in mm-hmm. the idea of that at this time. Like just that oh, that could never happen or we would catch somebody by then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when we say that, we mean before the phone call. Obviously, they're connecting it now when he just admitted to both of us. <laughs> right, yeah. Hopefully, by that point, they're starting to put together, wait a minute. <laughs> and that Majot gave a description, too, I believe, right? Yeah, I think that's where one of the... Um, that's one of them. One of the um, composite sketches mm-hmm. come from. What does it feel like to get shot in the jaw? That's not great. pretty bad. I couldn't tell you what it felt like to get shot, period. Let alone in the jaw. I, I couldn't. And I'd imagine you go into shock, right? I don't think you would even feel it. I would bet that you 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 wouldn't even know what happened going to shock. You probably know what happened. Well, I mean, no, jaws hanging down, your blood covered. But I mean, like you wouldn't feel pain. I don't think. Mm. I think it would just happen so quick. I would imagine. I feel like any kind of if you get shot, you go into shock. You know, probably pretty quickly. Yeah. So I would would imagine and hope so. So by the end of July, three letters were sent to the media by the killer, all postmarked July 31st, 1969. These three letters each included one-third of a cipher that would become known as the 408 cipher. So um, essentially, all three letters read the same with the exception of the last paragraph of each. So I'll read the full letter that he sent to the Vallejo Times Herald. 
and then I'll read the entire thing. And then for the other two letters, I'll just read the last paragraph of them. So the letter sent to the Vallejo Times Herald read, Dear Editor, I am the killer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl last 4th of July. To prove this, I shall state some facts which only I and the police know. Christmas. 1. Brand name of ammo, Super X. 2. 10 shots fired. 3. Boy was on back feet to car. 4. Girl was lying on right side feet to west. 4th of July. 1. Girl was wearing patterned pants. 2. Boy was also shot in knee. 3. Brand name of ammo was Western. Here is a cipher, or that is part of one. The other two parts have been mailed to the San Francisco Examiner and the San Francisco Chronicle. I want you to print this cipher on your front page by Friday afternoon, August 1st, 1969. If you do not do this, I will go on a kill rampage Friday night that will last the whole weekend. I will cruise around and pick of all of the stray people or couples that are alone, then move on to kill some more until I have killed over a dozen people. Again, I'm reading this as it's written, so it's pretty difficult to get through because the spelling is terrible. That's what we were saying before we started recording. BTK is kind of like, not to idolize this guy or anything, but BTK is like the poor man's uh, mm-hmm. Zodiac killer. This guy types like an asshole. Yeah, the, the misspellings are just ridiculous. Like Christmas with two S's. Right. And when he says Friday afternoon, he just spells Fry, F-R-Y. Yeah. What afternoon. the fuck does that mean? Yeah. I will say at least he did leave Christ in Christmas. So I can applaud him for that. I hate all those Xmas people <laughs> taking Christ out of Christmas. So those happy holiday people. Yeah. War on Christmas. It's Merry Christmas. <laughs> Tired of the war on Christmas. <laughs> so the it's about w- Jesus. <laughs> the letter to the San Francisco Chronicle essentially says the same thing, but the last paragraph reads, here is part of a cipher. The other two parts of the cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times and San Francisco Examiner. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. In this cipher is my identity. If you do not print this cipher by the afternoon of Friday the 1st of August 69, I will go on a kill rampage Friday night. I will cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. And the last one of the San Francisco Examiner reads, Here is a cipher, or that is part of one. The other two parts are being mailed to the Vallejo Times and the San Francisco Chronicle. I want you to print this cipher on the front page by Friday afternoon, August 1st, 1969. If you do not print this cipher, I will go on a killing rampage Friday night. This will last the whole weekend. I will cruise around killing people who are alone at night until Sunday night or until I kill a dozen people. So why three different versions to three different newspapers? Because he's dumb and forgot what he wrote, probably. <laughs> the way he, he fucking spells this shit really pisses me off. And it shouldn't, but it does. I think the misspelling is probably because all of this was hand... Or the theory is, is that this because these were all handwritten is to throw off any handwriting experts. So you think he's being behind, smart by doing that? That's the thought behind why he did all these misspellings and, and mm. whatnot. Did all three newspapers confer with each other then to decide whether they were all going to print this? I think so, yeah. Because if, you know, they'd miss at least a third of the cipher if one of the papers declined. Yeah. But they wouldn't if one do of the papers though. declined, he's going on a killing spree, 12 yeah. people. I mean, if one prints it, the other are obviously going to follow suit because yeah. they're not going to sell any papers then, right? It's business, pal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I got nothing else. Do we just have like a King of the Hill moment where they're all standing on the front like drinking? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so several days after the arrival of the of the three letters mailed to the Chronicle, Examiner, and Times Herald, the 408 cipher was cracked on August 8th, 1969, by Donald and Betty Harden, and they were just like a regular old they're like history teachers, yeah, or something, right? just married couple, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna sit down." We and knew this, <laughs> like probably crossword puzzle experts, and it's oh, like, yeah. "We got this." For sure, yeah. Put their morning had their morning coffee and that's it. And that's why people think that the it's one of the theories about the the next cipher, the one will, the one that's like famous, everybody knows the picture of and everything. Why it's been unbreakable is that he got pissed that this was he's so easily cracked that he made the other one basically uncrackable. Thanks, it made him look like a simpleton. Like, eh, yeah, yeah. broke it in a couple hours. Yeah. The Vallejo Police Department received a call from George Murphy at the San Francisco Chronicle who informed them that Donald Harden uh, had broken the code and, and sent his worksheets in, including the key that they had come up with for the cipher, to the Chronicle. The worksheets were retrieved from the Chronicle later that day. Donald Harden and his wife used homophonic substitution to identify the solution and cracked it with just spending over 20 hours on it. Pretty impressive. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Vallejo Detective Sergeant John Lynch was happy that it was that it was cracked, but it was dis- disappointed because it just turned out to be a just the killer's thoughts and ramblings, and it didn't identify his identity like like he had, had claimed. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what the four hundred eight cipher said. I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill. There is no punctuation in this fucking thing. Well, because it's the cipher. Oh, that's true. It's all just running. Still some punctuation would have made this a little easier to read. Duly noted. We'll, we'll let him know next time. <laughs> Something gives me the most <laughs> thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise, and all the people I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. Ooh. Period. Actually, it's not the end. There was still like an, there were still some characters at the end of that that they didn't, they didn't figure out. Yeah, there was like some. Uh, oh, like, so this couple's not as no, they were just hot nonsense. as they think they are. It, it sounded like mm-hmm. it, it was like either it was not a great cipher from what I read. Like he made a mistake. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it was just like a bunch of random. What they came up with was just a bunch of random letters at the end. So, and it sounds like how she got it was assuming it would start with I. Because and that the word was, kill would be in there a bunch of times, and they found like the duplicate for the LL. Yeah, and work backwards. Wasn't they thought like the arrogance? It would start with I. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's pretty smart. interesting. Yeah. yeah. So is this uh, slaves in the afterlife? Kind of like virgins for jihadists. They're gonna be waiting for you when you get there. That's what I. But his is like a Pokemon game. He's got to catch them all before he <laughs> before he goes. It sounds like that's what he's thinking. It's a wild thought. That's yeah. for sure. I mean, if that's real, I'd like to. I'd like to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Start, Might want to pick up some uh, slaves building, for heaven here. Start building your team. <laughs> building your team. So fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so the four hundred eight cipher contained the phrase "quote the most dangerous animal," and it's believed to be referring to the short story "The Most Dangerous Game" by Richard Connell, first published on January nineteenth, nineteen twenty four. The story detailed a man called General Zaroff who lived on Ship Trap Island where he indulged... Ship Trap Island? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Ship Trap. Thank you. 
<laughs> where he indulged himself by uh, is that Shiplap Island? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh my, Ian's like fuck you guys. I that's quit. What, that's what they in all those home remodeling shows. They use that Shiplap board. Oh, we're gonna use Shiplap. <laughs> Never mind. I don't watch that. I shows. lost it in my head. Cut that out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, so this this general lived on Ship Trap Island, <laughs> where, where he indulged himself by capturing shipwrecked sailors before equipping them with clothes, a uh, hunting knife, and food before releasing them with a three-hour head start, after which he would hunt them down and kill them. If, however, they survived for the three days, he would grant them their freedom. You guys Sounds ever like, read Most Dangerous Game? No, I have not. But it's, I, love, I love it. Yeah. Really? Yeah, we had to read it back in high school. Actually, do you guys have like the um, Apple books still on your phone? You, I think it always yeah, comes. Yeah, yeah. If you go into like the bookstore there, it's free on that. Oh, or at cool. least it was last time I checked. because no, I, no, I never read that. It's not too long either. It's good. Hmm. Do you, did you ever see the old Ice-T movie, Surviving the Game? No. It's just like this story. Really? Where he's like a homeless guy and they pick him up in the city and bring him out to this private retreat or whatever, but they hunt him. Isn't there, there's an always sunny about that too. Really? Where they want to kill a homeless guy and (laughs) they have to go hunt him. Ice tea fucks everyone up, man. It's awesome. Well, in always sunny, things go awry as you can imagine. (laughs) I forget the name of that episode. Probably the gang kills a homeless guy or something. That's what they're usually all called. Yeah, that sounds about right. Fuck, that was a good episode. This general had become bored with just hunting wild animals, alluding that it posed no challenge, so he started hunting humans instead. The 408 cipher would kind of mirror this idea, stating, quote, I like killing people because it's so much fun. It's more fun than killing wild game in the forest. So it's thought that this inspiration for the whole killings or Mm. at least the cipher came from this short story. It's a movie, too. Oh, is it? I think so, yeah. I, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I've not seen that. I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often where, like, wacky hunters go off the rails and start hunting people. Well, um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but we'll, there's a serial killer that's on the list hmm. that we're going to get to eventually that basically that's his thought process. Okay. He has a terrible lisp. He's like a real-life Elmer Fudd if <laughs> Elmer Fudd Damn. killed prostitutes in the acted like he was hunting them. Lispy Mike, I can't wait for that episode. <laughs> I'll work on it. He legit sounds like Elmer Fudd, this guy. So. Can't remember his name off the top well, of my head, Well, now I don't know though. if I need to do like an Elmer Fudd, like start working on him <laughs> or start working on like a Mike Tython lift. It's a little bit of both. <laughs> Why don't you make a composite and get back to us, see what I'm you can do with it. Elmer yeah. Fudd. So, Actually, hunting's not always that uh, uh, simple like he says. Did you say that a, a deer got a guy the other day? Was it in Arkansas? He thought he killed the deer. And the deer ended up killing him. Oh, I yeah, didn't yeah. see yeah. this. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah, so you never know. Why aren't we doing a news bonus show this week? That would have been a fun one. Yep. I actually stopped last. I was doing garbage, and I stopped right here. I unlocked the car, and the deer was literally just standing like from me to you. Mm. And like kind of took off, but then it turned around and just stared at me. And so I called Angie. move, motherfucker. Well, I called Angie on the phone because I don't know anything about deer. I mean, I, we've, we've, we've uh, established this multiple times. I don't know anything about the outdoors. You and me both, bro. So I called Angie. I'm like, do deer attack you? Because this deer is really looking at me right now. Like it's going to fuck me up. She said no. So I just kept walking and eventually it left. But yeah. 
happens to me every time I walk drunk home from your house. It's like a gauntlet of deer on both sides of the road. And I just like keep my head straight. I'm like, don't make eye contact. Don't upset them. The deer aren't scared of people out here, though. They're not going to charge you. No, they're not. And they don't run away. They just kind of look at me and yeah. I keep walking and then that's it. I'll attack if I have to. They live because I allow it. Oh, you're Mike the Outdoorsman. You do what that's you right. want. Outdoors Mike. <laughs> so the next letter showed up on August 4th, 1969. And this was the first time that the Zodiac name was used. And again, I'm going to read it as it's written. This is the Zodiac speaking. In answer to your asking for more details about the good times I have had in Vallejo, I shall be very happy to supply even more material. By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? If not, tell them to cheer up. When they do crack it, they will have me. On the 4th of July, I did not open the car door. The window was rolled down already. The boy was originally sitting in the front seat when I began firing. When I fired the first shot at his head, he leaped backwards at the same time, thus spoiling my aim. He ended up on the back seat, then the floor in the back, thrashing out very violently with his legs. That's how I shot him in the knee. I did not leave the scene of the killing with squealing tires, a racing engine as described in the Vallejo paper. I drove away quite slowly so as not to draw attention to my car. The man who told police that my car was brown was a Negro, about 40 to 45, rather shabbily, shabbily dressed. I was in this phone booth having some fun with the Vallejo cop when he was walking by. When I hung the phone up, the damn thing began to ring, and that drew his attention to me and my car. Last Christmas, in that episode, the police were wondering how I could shoot and hit my victims in the dark. They did not openly state this, but implied this by saying it was a well-lit night. I could see silhouettes on the horizon. Bullshit. That area is surrounded by high hills, trees. What I did was tape a small pencil flashlight to the barrel of my gun. If you notice, in the center of the beam of light, if you aim it at a wall or ceiling, you will see a black or dark spot in the center of the circle of light, about three to six inches across. When taped to a gun barrel, the bullet will strike in the center of the black dot in the light. All I had to do was spray them as if it were a water hose. There was no need to use the gun sights. I was not happy to see that I did not get front page coverage. There's a lot in there to discuss. Uh, Yeah. A lot of words. Well, there's the thing we were talking about earlier with the light on the end of his gun. He's like constructing his own military uh, accessories. Yeah, it's like that. He said that pencil flashlight. Yeah, yeah. It's the original... uh, like laser sight <laughs> invented by Zodiac. The Zodiac laser sight. Get yours today. Whew. He's already a narcissist. He's pissed because he didn't get front page coverage. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand what it is. I guess it's like this feeling really um, inferior in somewhere in your life with these guys wanting all this attention. You have to overcompensate. Here. Yeah. It's not enough just to get away with it. I have to taunt you on top of it. Yeah. So we, we talked about it in one of the episodes. I think it was our Patreon one about Bell Gunness, but women don't do this kind of bullshit. They're just know? slick and they get away with Fuck it. yeah. The women don't have yeah, time for all this You don't draw attention shit. to yourself. You just go kill. Yeah. Pros. So then we move to September 27th, 1969. College students Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were relaxing along the shore of Lake Berryessa around 30 miles north of Napa, California. Um, and this is the one, this is like the, the, the sketch that everybody knows yeah. that knows anything about the Creepy. case. Yeah. Have you, have you seen the sketch? Uh, I haven't yet. Okay. I will right now. Google it. Google the hooded, uh, sketch. So a man appeared holding a gun and wearing a hooded costume with a white cross circle stitched over the chest. 
So he said that he had escaped from prison and needed money in a car to escape to Mexico. The man bound their wrists with pre-cut lengths of plastic clothesline. Without warning, he stabbed a large knife into Brian's back six times and then stabbed Cecilia ten times as she fought for her life. The man then walked to Brian's car and, using a Sharpie pen, drew the cross circle, which everybody knows, like the famous Zodiac symbol. That one I know. Yeah. On On the door with the dates and locations of previous attacks, the date, quote, September 27th, 1969. And he even went as far as to write the time, which was 6.30. And then notation by knife. Jesus, this guy. <laughs> At 7.40 p.m., a man called the Napa Police Department to report a, quote, double murder. The caller described Brian's car, uh, directed police to the scene of the crime, and confessed, quote, I am the one who did it. Police traced the call to a payphone at a car wash in Napa, but you know, it didn't turn up any leads. And Cecilia died two days later, but Brian, he survived the attack. Boy, the portrayal in the movie is brutal. Like, he hits her five times in the back, then flips her over, and then five times in the front. Ugh, it's horrible. Big-ass knife, too. Yeah. What's the name of the movie? Zodiac. Is it just Zodiac? Mm-hmm. It's a David Fincher one from 2007. I think It's I a slow it. burn. It's really good, though. That one is like... You know, it's, I'm assuming, you know, it says 630, but you're assuming, like, the sun's still out, you would assume, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because it's what? Well, if it's, it's September, yeah. Yeah, so the sun's still out, and then this dude wearing that hood with the Zodiac symbol over his chest comes walking up. That would be scary as fuck. I do not disagree. Like, in the movie, they show a guy get out of a car and walks up, and, and, uh, and he goes behind a tree. Cause she's like, oh, there's someone here. Yeah, and, he's behind, yeah. and he walks out from behind a tree, then he's got the hood on. Yeah, that's no thank you. When he's got the same, the same deal as BTK had, where he's saying, "I escaped from prison. All right. I need is money and a car." Again, don't let him tie you up. I mean, you're done at that point. So take your chances, yeah. rushing him or running or whatever. On October 11th, 1969, Paul Stein, age 22, picked up a customer headed for an upscale Presidio Heights neighborhood. At the intersection of Washington and Cherry Streets, the passenger shot Stein in the head and removed a piece of his shirt. So this guy, I mean, he had no idea it was even coming. The man walked away just before police arrived, but the police radio broadcast mistakenly described the suspect as a black man and passing officers dismissed a white man resembling the correct description. Of course they did. So So I'd see things were the same back then. Fingerprints found on the driver's side of the cab may have belonged to the killer, and a sketch was produced based on descriptions provided by eyewitnesses. The case was considered a routine robbery until um, the office of the San Francisco Chronicle received an envelope with a letter from the Zodiac. (laughs) Sorry, I was just going to say, so I mean, presumably that was him they ran into, so they could have had him. Yeah. They They talked to him. They probably did talk to him, yeah. at least made eye contact right. with them or something. Exactly. So on November 13th, 1969, the San Francisco Chronicle received the following letter. This is the Zodiac speaking. I am the murderer of the taxi driver over by Washington Street and Maple Street last night. To prove this, here is a bloodstained piece of his shirt. I am the same man who did it, who did in the people in the North Bay area. The San Francisco police could have caught me last night if they had searched the park properly instead of holding road races with their motorcycles, seeing who could make the most noise. 
the car driver should have just parked their cars and sat there quietly waiting for me to come out of cover. School children make nice targets. I think I shall wipe out a school bus some morning. Just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. Fuck, <laughs> fuck him. So that that got people real freaked out. So did you just like picture the cops doing wheelies on their motorcycles <laughs> all, right. all over the park as he's just walking from tree to tree in the shadows? <laughs> yeah, that last that last uh, thing about shooting kids as they come out of a school bus, that had people really uh, on edge. Oh, I bet. It would have yeah. me on edge. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, he wasn't bluffing everything else, so who knows, right? Yeah, I mean, got the balls enough to just shoot this guy in the cab and then take a piece of his shirt and send it in to the news. And there were eyewitnesses to that. Those kids across the street produced the other composite sketch, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a really uh that's a really ballsy uh mm-hmm. scenario there. This guy had gumption. <laughs> I give it to him. <laughs> gumption. <laughs> I just wanted to use the word gumption. <laughs> it's a fun word. It's a great word. It's underutilized anymore. On October 22nd, 1969, the Oakland Police Department took a call in the early morning hours from someone claiming to be the Zodiac, requesting that either Melvin Bly or Francis Lee Bailey... OJ's lawyer. Yeah, F. Lee Bailey, high-profile lawyers at the time, appear on a chat show hosted by Jim Dunbar later that day. Uh, Melvin Bly agreed to appear on the show, to which a man would eventually contact via telephone, claiming not only was his name Sam, but also he was the infamous Zodiac Killer. And here is the clip of that uh, that talk show. Attorney Melvin Bly, accompanied by police and newsmen, waited 45 minutes today to keep a rendezvous with San Francisco's Zodiac Killer of five persons. The man who made the appointment never showed up. The meeting was arranged this morning when a caller, identifying himself as Sam, reached Belli on a KGO-TV talk show. He said he was the Zodiac killer and needed help. Here's how it looked and sounded. Talk to us. Just tell us what's going on in, in, inside you right now, Sam, please. I have headache. Right. How long have you had those headaches, Sam? In a long time? Since I killed a kid. Right. Was it before December that you had the headaches? Yes. Were you in service that you might have had the, an injury in service? Did you ever fall out of a tree or downstairs? Were you ever unconscious? I don't know. You don't remember. Does aspirin do you any good? No. Doesn't do any good. Sam, that stuff never did me any good either when I had headaches. Sam, let me ask you a question. Did you... Um, did you attempt to call this program one other time when Mr. Belli was with us? And you called what? Did you try to call us one other time about two, two or three weeks ago when, when Mel Belli was with us? Yes. And you, and, well, and you we couldn't were, get through? And couldn't we get through, the phones were tied up, was that it? Yes. Wow. Sam, let, let me ask you this. There's some reason why you go to a particular doctor or a particular priest and some reason why apparently you, you uh, wanted to talk to, to me or Lee. Is it that you feel that we have compassion for people who get in trouble? Or is it you feel that uh, we can do something for you? Or is it you feel that uh, we uh, have enough integrity that if we promise you something that uh, we're going to stick to it? Well, let's find out what, what, why he wanted to talk to you. Why did you want to talk to Mr. Belli, Sam? I don't want to be hurt. For having a lot to say in his letters, he sure didn't have a lot to say, did he? Do we think that was really him? I don't know. 
is it the same voices on the on the calls to the police dispatch? Yeah. Or did they, they record those calls? Is there no recordings of those calls? Not public, no. Yeah. So yeah, there's nothing to even compare that compare to. Compare it to, yeah. Not not the best questions to try and get terrible. any information. Does Aspen work? A terrible line of questions. They needed to get Art Bell on there to ask you get to the bottom of it. <laughs> Zodiac Killer West of the Rockies, you're on the air. <laughs> what did he say to the guy flying over Air 51? Sir, I do not recommend you do that. <laughs> you're making a miscalculation. <laughs> <laughs> and then that guy, and he says uh, they're shooting at him or they're coming up there or whatever. He's like, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, this coming uh, Thursday, the bonus episode for uh, Patreon subscribers is going to be Art Bell Part 2, Ghost to Ghost on Halloween. It's going to be something special. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I, I got can't some... believe that some people aren't patrons. <laughs> That's shocking to me. It is. It is. Uh, it's the best five dollars you'll ever spend. Pretty damn close. Yeah. <laughs> so on November eighth, nineteen sixty nine, the San Francisco Chronicle received an envelope containing a piece of the cab driver's shirt, um, a greeting card, and another cipher consisting of three hundred and forty symbols. The writer added, "Quote: Does July, August, September, October equals seven? a possible reference to more unidentified victims, and the greeting card said the following. This is the Zodiac speaking. I thought you would need a good laugh before you hear the bad news. You won't get the news for a while yet, and I can't do a thing with it. P.S. Could you print this new cipher on your front page? I get awfully lonely when I am ignored. So lonely, I could do my thing. My thing? The 340 cipher, that's the famous one that, that most people are familiar with and have seen, with the Zodiac case have seen. And this is the one for the new shirt that we're... The new Necronomapod Zodiac Killer shirt. Yep. Available very soon. There have been multiple books and shows like on the History Channel, stuff like that, about solving the cipher. It's never been confirmed to be 100% solved there's people out there who have claimed they figured out, but all those claims have pretty much been debunked by the FBI. I was going to like really dive into this cipher, but if you're not into ciphers and don't even understand like the smallest bit of it, sure. really, it would take you years to learn how to yeah, it's not, it's, approach it. It would just go, it made me a lot of it went over my head, even yeah. most, the 99% of it went over my head. So I'm not, I mean, if anybody's into it, there's tons, there's books, there's everything out there on this cipher. So, well, and they've run it through, you know, computer programs to try to crack it, and yeah. it still has never been done. I mean, there were theories about like if you had to like printed out two copies of it and then like lining mm. up the rows just a little slightly yeah. off. I mean, it's just it, it could be anything. Yeah, it gets really intense with that. And like we said, like I said before, I I saw the theory out there from the FBI that he was just pissed that the first one got cracked so easily. So mm-hmm. he just made this one. So like, that you never fucking figure one out again. Yeah. Maybe Country Mike could uh, we could put Country, Country Mike on the Mike case. Country Mike is, he's skilled with puzzles, but those are usually puzzles of like, you know, him fucking a wildebeest. You know, <laughs> he makes puzzles. That's a pretty specific of, puzzle. Yeah. I don't know. He's a weirdo, but he's very good at them. He's very talented. At the wildebeest? Visit him in uh, Arkansas. <laughs> Maybe he was the hunter that got gored by the deer. Yeah. You ask him. I'm not asking him. That. 
The next day, on November 9th, 1969, the Chronicle received the longest letter from, from the Zodiac and a sketch of plans for a bomb. And the sketch kind of looked, we'll, we'll post like a, like a compilation of these sketches and greeting cards and stuff that mm-hmm. he sent. But um, this sketch kind of looked like a pipe bomb almost. Mm-hmm. All right, bear with me. This is, a, this is a, a big one. This is the Zodiac speaking. Up to the end of October, I have killed seven people. I've grown rather angry with the police for their telling lies about me. So I shall change the way the collecting of slaves. I shall no longer announce to anyone. When I commit my murders, they shall look like routine robberies, killings of anger, and a few fake accidents, etc. The police shall never catch me because I have been too clever for them. I look at one. I look at the description passed out only when I do my thing. The rest of the time, I look entirely different. I shall not tell you what my disguise consists of when I kill. Two, as of yet, I have left no fingerprints behind me, contrary to what the police say. In my killings, I wear transparent fingertip guards. All it is is two coats of airplane cement coated on my fingertips, quite unnoticeable and very effective. Three, my killing tools have been bought through the mail order outfits before the ban went into effect, except one, and it was bought out of state. So as you can see, the police don't have much to work on. If you wonder why I was wiping the cab down, I was leaving fake clues for the police to run all over town with. As one might say, I gave the cops some busy work to do to keep them happy. I enjoy needling the blue pigs. Hey, blue pig, I was in the park. You were using fire trucks to mask the sound of your cruising prowl cars. The dogs never came within two blocks of me, and they were to the west, and there was only two groups of parking about 10 minutes apart when the motorcycles went by about 150 feet away, going from south to northwest. Must print and paper. P.S. Two cops pulled a goof about three minutes later after I left the cab. I was walking down the hill to the park when a cop car pulled up, and one of them called me over and asked if I saw anyone acting suspicious or strange in the last five to ten minutes. And I said, yes, there was this man who was running by waving a gun, and the cops peeled rubber and went around the corner as I directed them, and I disappeared into the park a block and a half away, never to be seen again. Hey, pig, doesn't it rile you up to have your nose rubbed in your boo-boos? If you cops think I'm going to take on a, a bus the way I stated I was, you deserve to have holes in your heads. Take one bag of ammonium nitrate fertilizer and one gallon of stove oil and dump a few bags of gravel on top of them. Then set the shit off and will positively ventilate anything that should be in the way of the blast. The death machine is already made. I have sent you pictures, but you would be nasty enough to trace them back to de- to developer and then to me, so I shall describe my masterpiece to you. The nice part of it is all the parts can be bought on the open market with no questions asked. One battery-powered clock will run for approximately one year, one photoelectric switch, two copper leaf springs, two six-volt car batteries, one flashlight bulb and reflector, one mirror, two 18-inch cardboard tubes, black with shoe polish inside and out. The system checks out from one end to the other in my tests. What you did not know was whether the death machine is at the site or whether it is being stored in my basement for future use. I think you do have the manpower to stop this one by continually searching the roadsides looking for this thing. And it won't do to reroute and reschedule the buses because the bomb can be adapted to new conditions. Have fun. By the way, it could be rather messy if you try to bluff me. P.S. Be sure to print the part I marked out on page three, or I shall do my thing. Yowza. I'm out of breath over here. (laughs) So I think we'll see with the bomb stuff that it leads to some theories about uh, 
him possibly being another famous bomb maker. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that when we go through the suspects. Yep. But the bomb part's interesting. Yeah. And if that if that theory, when we get to that, if that was real, that would be fucking wild. Really wild. <laughs> yeah. So the communications from Zodiac went quiet for a while until December 20th, 1969, when the famous attorney, Melvin Bly, received this following letter. Dear Melvin, this is the Zodiac speaking. I wish you a happy Christmas. The one thing I ask of you is this. Please help me. I cannot reach out for help because of this thing in me won't let me. I am finding it extremely difficult to hold it in check. I'm afraid I will lose control again and take my ninth and possibly 10th victim. Please help me. I am drowning. At the moment, the children are safe from the bomb because it is so massive to dig in and the trigger Mac requires much work to get it adjusted just right. But if I hold back too long from number nine, I will lose all control of myself and set the bomb up. Please help me. I cannot remain in control for much longer. He's losing it. Well, and that really sounds like the um, like the language and that or the tone and stuff really sounds like BTK, like like BTK took right from this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as I was reading it. Yeah. 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 I can't control this thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Kind of almost like not taking blame for it. And he really and I just think BTK really, really copied him. He was a hack. Yeah. Now, on March 22nd, 1970, Kathleen Johns, age 22, put her infant daughter into a station wagon and left San Bernardino, California, to visit her sick mother in Petaluma in the northern part of the state. Kathleen was also seven months pregnant with the child of her longtime boyfriend. As she traveled on Highway 132 near Modesto, Another vehicle pulled alongside the station wagon, and the driver appeared to signal that Kathleen should pull over. On the side of the road, the driver explained that the back wheel of Kathleen's station wagon was loose, but he promised to fix the problem. Instead, he loosened the lug nuts, and the wheel fell off as Kathleen tried to drive away. Slick, huh? What a dick. So the man then offered to drive Kathleen to a gas station, and once in his car... She claimed that he also started making threats to harm her and her child. Eventually, Kathleen grabbed her daughter and just jumped out of the car while it was moving. A passing by driver took Kathleen to a nearby police station where she identified the stranger from a police sketch of the Zodiac. Damn. And it was months later, the Zodiac, a Zodiac letter mentioned, quote, a rather interesting ride with a woman and her baby. So that was him. Yep. Over the next four months, the Zodiac would send multiple letters all to the San Francisco Chronicle. So you got a lot of reading coming up here, buddy. All right. So let's plow through these here. April 20th, 1970. This is the Zodiac speaking. By the way, have you cracked the last cipher I sent you? My name is. And then it's just a cipher of a bunch of letters and symbols stating whatever his name is. I am mildly serious as to how much money you have on my head now. I hope you do not think that I have the one who wiped out that blue meanie with a bomb at the cop station, even though I talked about killing school children with one. It wouldn't do to move in on someone else's territory, but there is more glory in killing a cop than a kid because a cop can shoot back. I have killed 10 people to date. It would have been a lot more except that my bus bomb was a dud. I was swamped out by the rain we had a while back. The so new- can I, can I, did, did someone blow up a cop? Is that what he's referencing yeah. and not taking responsibility for Yeah, it? there was a, um, there was a bomb planted that killed a cop hmm. around uh, during the same time. So that's what he okay. is saying. Like, yeah. He calls that, them blue meanies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry to the interrupt. many names he's called them. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry my, to interrupt. My, 
voice box appreciates the break. <laughs> P.S. I hope you have fun trying to figure out who I killed. And then he's got a little scorecard that has his symbol name, 10 San Francisco Police, zero. On April 20th, 1970, he sent on a greeting card. If you don't want me to have this blast, you must do two things. One, tell everyone about the bus bomb with all the details. Two, I would like to see some nice Zodiac buttons wandering about town. (laughs) Everyone else has these buttons like peace, black power, Melvin eats blubber, etc. Well, it would cheer me up considerably if I saw a lot of people wearing my button. Please, no nasty ones like Melvin's. Thank you. So obviously people to wear Zodiac buttons. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? Maybe that's me what of? we need, Necro Zodiac buttons. <laughs> you know what that, like, that thing reminds me of is, like, uh, like later on, like, stuff with, like, the Joker from Batman comics mm. or something. Like, you know, I want to see everybody wearing. Okay. Yeah. Wearing my stuff or I'm going to blow up a bus kind of thing. Can we at least have Melvin Eats Blubber buttons made? <laughs> Yeah, what does story. that mean? Well, obviously, it's real because he said at the end he said, uh, "Please, no nasty ones like Melvin's." So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get that one, but I'd love to sell them. On June twenty sixth, nineteen seventy, he sent one containing a map of the San Francisco Bay Area with a cross, a crossed circle on the peak of Mount Diablo, and a code to locate the Zodiac's bomb. The writer claimed he killed again. Also, a thirty-two character cipher that had never been solved. This is the Zodiac speaking. I've become very upset with the people of San Francisco Bay Area. They have not complied with my wishes for them to wear some nice circle cross symbol buttons. I promised to punish them if they did not comply by annihilating a full school bus. But now school is out for the summer, so I punished them in another way. I shot a man sitting in a parked car with a 38. Circle cross symbol 12, San Francisco police 0. The map coupled with this code uh, will tell you where the bomb is set. You have until next fall to dig it up. And that was June 26th. So he's given him, what, a couple months there? Yeah. In the circle cross, it's just his his, his logo. I'm just, yeah. I don't, I guess I'll just. I'll just say Zodiac. Yeah. The Zodiac logo. Hey, he wrote circle cross symbol. Or did, <laughs> he did not write that. He actually put the logo in. And yeah, that was he drew the logo. Okay. Yeah. It's so hard to put together everything he's yeah. doing here. July 24th, 1970. This is the Zodiac speaking. I'm rather unhappy because you people will not wear some nice Zodiac buttons. <laughs> so I now have a little list, starting with the woman and her baby, that I gave a rather interesting ride for a couple hours one evening a few months back that ended in my burning her car where I found them. Was this lady under police protection if he went back and threatened her again? Yeah, you would hope so. Shit, I didn't know that part. July 26, 1970. This is the Zodiac speaking. Being that you will not wear some nice Zodiac buttons, how about wearing some nasty Zodiac buttons or any type of Zodiac button that you can think up? If you do not wear any type of Zodiac buttons, I shall, on top of everything else, torture all 13 of my slaves that I have waiting for me in paradise. Some I shall tie over anthills and watch them scream and twitch and squirm. Others shall have pine splinters driven up their nails and then burned. Others shall be placed in cages and fed salt beef until they are gorged. Then I shall listen to their pleas for water, and I shall laugh at them. Others will hang by their thumbs and burn in the sun. Then I will rub them down with deep heat to warm them up. Others I I shall skin them alive and let them run around screaming. And all billiard players I shall have them play in a darkened dungeon cell with crooked cues and twisted shoes. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I shall have great fun inflicting the most delicious of pain to my slaves. <laughs> Billiard players. San Francisco Police Zero, Zodiac 13. As someday it may happen that a victim must be found, I've got a little list. I've got a little list of society offenders who might well be underground who would never be missed. There is the pestilent nuisances who write for autographs, all people who have flabby hands and irritating laughs, all children who are up in dates and implore you with I'm plat, all people who are shaking hands, shake hands like that, and all third persons who with unspoiling take those who insist. They'd none of them be missed. They'd none of them be missed. There's the banjo serenader and others of his race and the piano organist. I got him on the list. All people who eat peppermint and vomit in your face, they would never be missed. They would never be missed. And the idiot who praises with enthusiastic tone of centuries, but this in every country but his own. And the lady from the provinces who dresses like a guy who doesn't cry. And the singularly abnormally the girl who never kissed. I don't think she would be missed. I'm sure she wouldn't be missed. And the nice impriest that is rather rife, the judicial humorist, I've got him on the list. All funny fellows, comic men, and clowns of private life. They'd none of them be missed. They'd none of them be missed. And uncompromising kinds such as whatchamacallit, thigamabob, and likewise. Well, never mind. And tut, 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 tut. And what's his name? And you know who. But the task of filling up the blanks, I'd rather leave up to you. But it really doesn't matter whom you place upon the list, for none of them be missed, none of them be missed. P.S. The Mount Diablo Code concerns radians and number inches along the radians. Okay, so I said words, but I didn't say anything. <laughs> it kind of rhymes. He's guy. like a poet now. It's like a shitty Dr. Seuss book or something. <laughs> I'm starting to think this guy is actually just a dumb piece of shit. Who got lucky evading yes. the law? Yes. And I think he just made up a, a, a cipher and people put together something out of it. Hmm. I think, well, I think the first cipher is real. I think there there's theories out there that that he is just a dumbass and the second cipher is just Gar- bullshit. Yeah. It's just a garbage cipher. I mean, if anyone actually listened to what I just said there, not like I, you would think you would want to try to actually say something. None of them be missed. None of them be missed. My head hurts. I mean, maybe he was just nutty, and he's just off the rails at this point, going further down the the, the rabbit hole. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, there's some really bad spellings in that in that one in that letter. That was really difficult. <laughs> that was like putting a fucking cipher together. <laughs> so, a postcard attributed to the Zodiac featured an advertisement for a condominium project in Lake Tahoe, Nevada, with the phrases "quote past Lake Tahoe areas" and quote, sought victim 12. Some interpreted this as a cryptic message as a clue to the disappearance of 25-year-old Donna Lass. In May 1970, Donna worked in San Francisco at Letterman General Hospital, located on the Presidio military base near the area where Zodiac killed the uh, taxi driver. Donna moved northeast to uh, South Lake Tahoe and found work as a nurse for the Sahara Hotel and Casino. On September 6, 1970, Donna vanished sometime after the last entry in her work logbook at 1.50 a.m. Her car was found later abandoned near an apartment, and according to some accounts, an unidentified man called Donna's employer and her landlord, claiming she had to leave town due to a family emergency. 
her family told authorities there was no such emergency and the man was never identified. Investigators suspected Donna had been abducted and killed, but her body was never found. Her disappearance remains a mystery and her name was just added to the long list of possible Zodiac hmm. Zodiac victims. Yeah, that never being found part, that's tough. Creepy. And this is the last solid murder slash crime associated with the Zodiac. There's other the others that people suspect, but this is this was the last one that people considered to be associated with with him. Going forward, the rest of this case is just strictly letters and cards that that the Zodiac sent in. Can't wait to start reading them. <laughs> this you is f- your big debut tonight, man. <laughs> You're killing Hope you it. fuckos love my voice because we got about three pages worth to get through here. <laughs> well, and plus, there, I mean, there may be a lot more crime from him if, if he concealed them as everyday random murders, like he said he would. Yeah, yeah and Which as is we go, likely well, and we go through this, he's keeping this this his like score tab up. You know, as as we go through these mm-hmm. letters, and at one point he gets to saying that he has seventeen, and he might be accurate, sure. like you said, just covering up as just everyday robberies or whatever. I mean, crime levels in the seventies were high back then. If only they would have wore his buttons, dude would have been chill. He was really focused on the buttons. Huh? He wanted that bad. Like, you guys aren't listening to me with the buttons. <laughs> I told you I want to wear buttons. <laughs> Well, that's like some son of Sam. It took a minute for them to realize that uh, that those were connected because crime levels were so high in New York City at that time. They were just yeah. like, oh, "This is just a random yeah. murder." I mean, there were tons of murders back then. All right, buddy, here you go. All right, as I, if, if there's anything you guys want to jump in with as I'm going through, feel free. If not, I'll just keep going. Yeah. On October fifth, nineteen seventy, this message was constructed with text clipped from other sources, like magazines and comic strips. I like to see those letters where it's all pasted together. Yeah. It makes it more interesting. Yeah. This one also, um, <laughs> this one was interesting too because it also had uh, 13 hole punches going down the sides. And yeah. they thought that was just nonsense. But then this um, this quote, when you, when you read this, this FK, I'm crack proof. It was linked, that phrase and those 13 hole punches were linked to the first cipher. So it did connect. At first, uh, they were like, "This is." They thought that this was a hoax postcard because it had the magazines and the comics. It was. It wasn't like his other ones. Right. But the crack proof thing and the thirteen punch holes matched to the mm. the first cipher. Maybe he's not as dumb as we thought. Maybe not. Hmm? Dear editor, you'll hate me, but I've got to tell you, the pace isn't any slower. In fact, it's just on big thirteenth. Oh, some of them thought it was horrible. P.S. There are reports city police pig cops are closing in on me. F.K. I'm crack proof. What is the price tag now? So on October 27th, 1970, was a, he sent in a Halloween card to Chronicle reporter Paul Avery. He misspelled Avery's name as A-V-E-R-L-Y. And the number, the number four dash the word teen was interpreted as a possible reference to uh, an unidentified 14th victim. On the front of the card, it says, quote, from your secret pal and, quote, I feel it in my bones. You ache to know my name. And so I'll clue you in on the inside of the card. The word paradise and it's spelled P-A-R-D-I-C-E intersects with the word slaves making a cross. So like the the A in slaves and the middle A in paradise make a cross. How clever. Also, vertically in each section of the cross are the phrases by fire, by gun, by knife, and by rope. And it's weird because it has to mean something, but the I, I believe it's the by and fire is like 
B-Y on top of each other, then the buy and gun is spelled normal, like side by side, mm. like normal buy. And then the buy and knife and the buy and rope are up and down vertically. But that one mm. is normal. I'm sure it has to mean something, but... We still don't know. Yeah. And then on the back of the card has the phrases, uh, peekaboo, you are doomed. And, but then why spoil the game? Happy Halloween. And there's also this weird ZVF symbol with like these two dots next to it, followed by a Z and then the, the Zodiac logo. We'll post that one for sure. That card creep for some reason, that card just really creeped me out. Like I was imagining being this, uh, this guy working for the Chronicle and receiving this card in the mail and be like, what the fuck? We're just thinking about Zodiac at home by himself, putting it together. Yeah. That's yeah, creepy. And to mail it to you specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. March 13th, 1971, a letter sent to the Los Angeles Times. This is the Zodiac speaking. Like I have always said, I am crack proof. If the blue meanies are ever going to catch me, they had best get off their fat asses and do something. Because the longer they fiddle and fart around, the more slaves I will collect for my afterlife. I do have to give them credit for stumbling across my riverside activity, but they are only finding the easy ones. There are a hell of a lot more down there. The reason I'm writing this, writing to the Times is this. They don't bury me on the back pages like some of the others. San Francisco Police, zero. Zodiac, 17 plus. So that Riverside quote is referring to those suspected murders we talked about at the beginning, right? So the the yeah the Riverside is is a reference to that one from October thirtieth, nineteen sixty six, the murder of Sherry Josephine Bates. When they got this letter, they contacted the Riverside Police Department to let them know that uh, that there had been this connection made, and they had Sherwood Morrill, the uh, who was then the documents examiner for the California Department of Justice concluded that the Zodiac was responsible for the notes that were linked to the Bates case. So that ties them into those early 60s. The police wrote it off as it was an ex-boyfriend of hers that that did it, but in the late 1990s, the police obtained a DNA sample, and it cleared the guy. Hmm. So Damn. Yep. So think of that guy, too, man. Back all All the way in 66, all that time, 30 years or close to... Close to 30 years. 30 years later, they're still coming at you for your DNA? Yeah. Wild. Uh, March 22nd, 1971 was the Lake Tahoe postcard we just just talked about with that last crime, that disappearance that was associated with him. Uh, This postcard was addressed to Paul Avery of the Chronicle. He once again misspelled Avery's name as A-V-E-R-L-Y. Spelled it like Averly. Yeah. And the phrase sought victim 12 was interpreted as as a reference to Donna last her disappearance in Lake Tahoe the search for new leads in the Zodiac case led investigators across the U.S. to Albany New York the office of the Albany Times Union newspaper received an envelope postmarked August 1st 1973 with the Zodiac symbol drawn in the corner instead of the return address and this letter read You are wrong. I'm not dead or in the hospital. I am alive and well, and I'm going to start killing again. Below is the name and location of my next victim, but you had better hurry because I'm going to kill her August 10th at 5 p.m. when the shift change. Albany is a nice town. Below the message, the writer included three rows of symbols. According to an FBI report, Bureau Cryptanalysis deciphered the coded message to read, Redacted, Albany Medical Center. This is only the beginning. 
So investigators were unable to identify any murders that could explain the vague reference to a victim on August 10th, and handwriting experts could not determine if the new letter was prepared by the original writer of the Zodiac letters, and they said it was, quote, due to lack of significant characteristics. It couldn't be completely eliminated based on limited analysis. Yeah, so it could go either way. Yeah, so that one's just up in the air. Albany's a long way off from... Uh yeah, I Northern would assume California. that that's probably fake. Somebody, Somebody fucking around in New yeah. York. On January 5th, 1974, a letter sent to the San Francisco Chronicles read, I saw and think The Exorcist was the best, best satirical comedy that I have ever seen. Signed, yours truly. He plunged himself into the billowy wave and an echo across from the suicide's grave. Titwillow, titwillow, titwillow. <laughs> P.S., if I do not see this note in your paper, I will do something nasty, which you know I'm capable of doing. Me, 37, San Francisco Police Department, zero. Oh, the count's way up now. Yeah, it jumped That's, like 20, yeah. <laughs> 20 Huge people. Damn. He wrote a fake letter in Albany, and then he went to work back out here while they were uh, looking for him out east. February 14th, 1974, postcard sent to San Francisco Chronicle. Dear Mr. Editor, did you know that the initials S-L-A-Y, Symbionese Liberation Army, spell S-L-A, an old no- Norse word meaning kill, signed a friend? What does that mean, Mike? <laughs> Fuck, I'm just saying words at this point. <laughs> so that's the people that kidnapped Patty Hearst, those revolutionaries right. out there, the Symbionese Liberation Army. Slay, as Never you will. Yeah. Yeah, so they, is it uh, Slay or S-L-A? That was their initials, the SLA. Yeah. yeah. That ties back into Jonestown, too. With what the, do they have to do with Jonestown? Con, with the whole communist thing and stuff. Because, uh, yeah, Jim Jones, he took a stand with that and like said that they stood with her mm. and okay. organized some, like, uh, not charity, but like a money thing for her and, and stuff. Man, they, they they did work on her, too, man. She completely flipped. Oh, yeah? She turned into, like, a militant. They charged her after all that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Kind of sounded like there's not theories, but it's kind of alluded to that Jim Jones kind of supported them in their whole militant communist uh, thought process of just killing people mm-hmm. to get their point across. Because mm. that's kind of how Jim thought, but, yeah. They probably hypnotized her. There's definitely some brainwashing going on in that scenario. I just like our Jim Jones tie tie-ins to every subject we do. <laughs> He's got tentacles across the whole world. Yeah. May 8th, 1974, postcard sent to the San Francisco Chronicle. Sirs, I would like to express my consternation concerning your poor taste and lack of sympathy for the public, as evidenced by your running of the ads for the movie Badlands, featuring the blurb, In 1959, most people were killing time. Kit and Holly were killing people. In light of recent events, this kind of murder glorification can only be deplorable at best. Not that glorification of violence was ever justifiable. Why don't you show some concern for public sensibilities and cut the ad? Signed a citizen. So why do we think this is him? These were confirmed to be. That was by, actually like based on literate what? and able to be understood. Yeah. Based the, on handwriting analysis. Yeah. Handwriting analysis. Huh. Yeah. So he's like writing in as a concerned citizen that they're advertising for the movie Badlands and it's too violent. Yeah. Which is a really good movie if you've never seen it. I have not. Obviously. Yeah. These are all confirmed based on handwriting. After this next mm. one, there's two more. But they're considered 
complete hoaxes. Okay. So I didn't even include those because those are considered hoaxes. But that last one, like, yeah, he's sounding a lot more coherent. There's no misspellings in here. He's just trolling now. Right. All right. Last one. Thank fucking God. July 8th, 1974. Letter written to the San Francisco Chronicle. Editor, put Marco back in the hell hole from whence it came. He has serious psychological disorder. Always needs to feel superior. I suggest you refer to him to a shrink. Meanwhile, cancel the Count Marco column. Since the Count can write anonymously, so can I. The Red Phantom, red with rage. So yeah, he was not thrilled with that uh the, that writer from the San Francisco. Chronicle. I looked it up. He was like an advice columnist. This crazy <laughs> dude, Count Marco. Was so his what's the Count Marco? Just like his his column. Writing yeah, name? He, yeah, like his alias in the paper, Count Marco. Yeah, the Red Phantom was not happy with him. No. <laughs> and like I said, there's two more letters after this that are just considered completely fake. Not him. Yep. Those last two weren't bad to read. I can actually understand yep. what I was saying. And that's where the communication stops. The official confirmed com- communications. July of 1974. Yep. Hmm. Wow. 45 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know what to say at this point. So part two of our story is essentially what? All the suspects. Because there's a bunch of them. All all that. There's a bunch of them. I know who I think it is. All right. Teaser for next week. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah. Stay tuned. There's one that looks really, really good. Um, There's some other ones that fit the composite sketch. Mm -hmm. And then there's uh, there's one famous one that that you talked about earlier. Yeah. It's an interesting theory. I like that one too. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. Well, we haven't caught him yet, Mike. No. no. Get to that we'll cipher. See. Get to that 340 cipher. Yeah, if you could solve that by next week so we could. That I'll would be great. I mean, in between Breaking Bads, though. I mean, I can't stray from that. What episode are you on? Season two, episode like four or five. Oh, cool. It's pretty good. Yeah. You're making good time. Yeah. Yeah. What are your yeah. thoughts thus far? I enjoy it. As I, as I expected, I would, but. It's been good. A lot of tense scenes. There's a lot of like funny scenes in it, which I didn't expect. There's, I mean, I've laughed out loud a few times. Like in the first episode, I think it's his birthday, and his wife's laying in bed, and she's just like jerking him off, but oh, yeah. she's on the computer, like selling stuff, <laughs> yeah. and she's just like, "Yes, fifty-eight," and he just looks at her like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, I that I laughed out loud for that. It was hilarious. I like Badger and Skinny P. They oh, crack yeah. me up. Yeah. Wait, which one's Badger? His uh, Jesse's tall friend. Yes, he's in the office. He's one of Dwight's cousins in the office. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got that real raspy yes. voice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a goof and and Breaking Bad man, just straight up stoner. Yeah, and then Skinny P is the one who introduces him to that big time drug dealer. Yes. Yeah. Got it. That very scary individual. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Brian Cranston the other day post a time lapse video of him getting ready for his cameo in El Camino, putting on the the makeup and the bald the bald the uh, what do you ever call it? Oh yeah, the, the bald hair piece and yeah. the, the mustache. With well, spoiler stuff. alert, now I know he doesn't die in the show. Oh no, you didn't get spoiled on anything. I'm not spoiling anything. Okay. it's like a it's flashback flashback to the past. So, am I supposed to watch that at the end of the show though? Yeah, because oh, it yeah. wraps it all up. Okay. It's like an extra. It's pretty I mean, much I'm sure like I e- want to anyways. But. Yeah, it's pretty much like an extra two episodes, really. Yeah, that just wraps much. it up. More. Full, it's a and it's a full length movie, like so, like a two hour yeah. movie yeah. or whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully so that one. was laid out well. And we almost tried to make this one episode. 
Yeah, there's no way. I I know then I started looking into the suspects and I'm like, God damn, there's a mm. lot of information in this case. Well, like all, I said, the, all the letters, I mean, you you got to go through and read all of them. It's it's a lot. And even like I said about that um the Halloween one, that that card, there's like these these little details. You just sit there and look at these mm-hmm. letters and stuff and who knows if it means anything or if it's all bullshit or you know, we'll, it is we'll fascinating. Post that one for sure. Then yeah, it's fa- it's a really fascinating case. Man, I hope they catch him next week. <laughs> Can't wait to find no out. No spoilers. Yeah, don't spoil it for me. All right, Ian, you got anything else on part one of the Zodiac? Nope, that's it for this one. Dave, anything you want to add? You want to hear me read us six more letters? I think I'm good for this week. Maybe <laughs> next week you can. Uh... All right. Even if there is no letters, I'll just bring some in. I'll just write some gobbledygook. Just you know, yeah. Write your own cipher. We'll let people try and crack it. <laughs> All right. Dear okay. Cleveland Plain Dealer. Yeah. <laughs> I am Country Mike. <laughs> you may not have heard of me, but you will. As in now, since I've written you this letter. <laughs> they will be missed. They will be missed. <laughs> and mother. And mother, and mother. That's just all my cipher is going to be. It's just in to be the same letters over and over again. Just fucking Jim Jones trolling us with and mother. All right, um, let's get to some patron shout outs. These people joined probably because they want to hear us do Art Bell Ghost to Ghost next week. Uh, Vince Case and Fallon. Thank you very much for signing up over the last couple days. We appreciate it. Best decision you probably have ever made. You're going to enjoy some ghost to ghost. I promise you. Ian, what about you? You got anything today? I have nothing for iTunes. Uh, we had some reviews, but nothing, no written ones. Just people hit the star button. So well, but they were people. all good. They were all five stars. So, nice. so thank you. Thank you, everyone that's been listening. We've, our downloads are keep going up every week. It's awesome. It's been going well. It's very cool. But seriously, get leave us some damn reviews so that we can give you a shout out. We also like to read them. You can make fun of us if you want, but give us five stars. <laughs> yeah, say whatever you want as long as it's five stars. Yeah. Right? You can call Dave and I cancer or the funny bone or cringy <laughs> old potato soup over there, Ian. Yeah. Um, but just leave us five stars and then write whatever the fuck you want. Like the guy on Instagram who berated the show. I'm like, as long as you listen, I don't really care why you listen. <laughs> who berated the show? What's that guy on Instagram a couple weeks ago? I forget what he said. I don't remember. I thanked him. I said, I don't, that's fine as long as you listen, pal. That's right. I don't remember what he said, though. Yeah, but there was someone who kind of mocked the show for something. Eh. I don't remember. Anyways, fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. Um, Dave, what do you got for us? (laughs) Uh, From Twitter, Santi Miguel. Thanks for listening. All right. Well, that's that. Like we said, if you have not, if you're not already a patron, please sign up. We're going to have another bonus show coming out this Thursday. Um, that is Halloween. We're going to do a, a return to Art Bell and cover some of his stuff. And then hopefully this Friday, that would be November 1st, we're going to have some more merch available for you guys. Um, and the, the way we're going to have it set up, there won't be any more pre-ordering. You're just going to order it directly through Amazon and get it shipped to you. So um, it'll save a lot of time and you can have it uh, for the holidays. Um, we are on all the socials at Necronomapod. Give us a follow or a friend or a liking and Feel free to reach out to us through there. We love him. Are you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers.